Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again and welcome to episode 226 of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pender. Cock-a-hoop is definitely a word that we can use to describe how we're feeling today. It felt like it was never going to happen, Steve, but it has. The Whitecaps have finally won an MLS playoff game. Yeah, uh, no four chances before. No, no wins. Uh, but the, the 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 first one ever it was a it was a major one. They just absolutely destroyed San Jose last night. Five 0 right? And I think in your wildest dreams, you you maybe hoped that it it was going to be a really comfortable night. I went for a four 0 win. You had gone for three one. Yeah. Y- you hope it's going to be a great night. Never sure if it is going to happen. But wow, what. A statement game, Carl Robinson basically said afterwards, and it certainly was that. I I, I would I would take a, move away from the statement game comment only because they were playing San Jose, and yeah, San Jose true. was like like we said before minus twenty one in goal differential. Yes, they were the everybody talks about momentum. They sure they had momentum, but they were playing a Minnesota team that that was really had nothing to play for, and, and they, they, and did, they, they did just make won at the last second. Them, yeah, yeah. So I. I, I would temper the um, statement part. Uh, it's a good win. It's a solid win. It's a win they should have had. And um, they definitely won it emphatically. That That is the kind of annoying part of, of the whole thing, really, though. Two weeks ago, they had a chance to do this, and they didn't. Yeah. Now they've got themselves in the position, and you feel, oh, this is what should have happened a couple of weeks ago. A lot of the players referred to that after the game. But then at the same time, you've got the team now playing this game, getting some confidence, getting some momentum, which they, they didn't have over the last five games, just one win and a draw in those last five games and not a string of very good performances. But now they've got this, and this might actually turn out to be a blessing in disguise for them. No, for sure. And I, I like I, I, when I say temper uh, exp- like your, your feelings about this, I'm not saying it's not a positive win. It's definitely a positive win. But just know where, you're go- where you are at and where you were and make sure that you don't, Set yourself up for a big drop off in the next game, and that's what the. But ultimately, yes, the 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 run up to the playoffs wasn't ideal. Um, they should have had that result definitely against San Jose, and obviously the Portland game was disappointing only because they you know it was their third loss to them in the year. But the game yesterday 
definitely brought the, the the spirits up of the players. Everybody was excited yesterday. Yeah. Everybody was buzzing. People weren't able to get to sleep at night. Uh, the concourse was all over the place. And I think, uh, I think for the first time they might have had a march back to Doolin's. Um, oh really? I'm not sure. It seemed like it. I, I, the, I the didn't sound get to bed until 4 a.m. As it turned yeah. out. Partly, partly buzzing excitement, just finishing some articles and stuff for MLS. But I got up at 4 a.m. to go to work. I know. <laughs> we ships passing in the night. Yeah. But we'll look a little bit back at that win against San Jose. First thing we have to look at is the, the lineup. And yeah. there were some more changes from Sunday. Expected Rob- changes, yeah. I thought. Robo had said going into the game that he was going to put out his best lineup. So if that is what he's considering his best lineup, you have to think that. That is perhaps the team that's now going to take the the Whitecaps forward for the, for the rest of this postseason run. Although we'll come to that a little bit later on. So the, the big changes and the the big personnel decisions and goal. Marinovic kept his place. I think if you were going to to switch and put David Ousted in, it would have been after that Portland game. Marinovic. Fair to say he didn't have a great game down in Portland. We, we talked about that on Sunday. Had a couple of errors. Definitely at fault for the first goal. You can point fingers at him for the second goal. But the faith that was then shown in him by Robo and Stuart Kerr and the coaching staff, he's your man going forward now. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, that there was no way that he was going to be taken out for the San Jose game. I, I didn't think so either, but a, a lot of I, yeah, fans you're right. on Twitter if, were like, oh, get ousted by, no, get no, him. You're right. If there was an opportunity for us to take it back, it was after Portland, but I didn't see it that much of an opportunity. Um, Marinovic, that big save he had early in the game, I think it was in the first five minutes, Yeah, that was huge, and that uh, that set the tone for the, to, for the game and for the players, and it showed that confidence in his teammates, like his teammates got confidence in him, sorry, that he was going to be there for him, for them, uh, making those saves. Yeah, I mean, a fantastic save. Five minutes in, Goodall free kick, one-handed save. And then when, and when he I, pushed it. He yeah. pushed it hard too. Over the, the, and then I, I spoke to him afterwards, and it, it's like, yeah, you talk about the confidence that, that Marinovic has and brings to this team as a keeper. Here's what he said when I, when I asked him, Oh, did, did that settle your nerves, a great save like that? Oh, not really. I mean, uh, it's pretty pretty standard. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, no, not really. I, I, was, uh, I was pretty uh, calm going into the match and throughout the match. Uh. So, yeah, I mean, Marinovic, Stuart Kerr talked about it on Sunday. He's a cool show. cat. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't get phased much by saves and he doesn't get highs or lows. No. It seems like. I mean, wait, Perfect mentality for a goalkeeper. I said after we did our, our chat with him when he first arrived, he's the most chilled guy I've ever spoken to football-wise and just keeping that going. So Marinovic in, in goal. Marcel de Jong coming back, though, in the left-back position. And... I thought he had a fantastic game. Yeah, I honestly he, he did. was I, great. Jordan Harvey was run ragged. I had tweeted that out on Sunday. He was given a bit of a torrid time down in Portland. Yeah. Partly, though, because the Whitecats had wanted to play so narrow. Yeah. But, I mean, Dion... it's a narrow pitch, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love Jordan Harvey. Love what he's done for this club. I love his passion. I love the fun stuff that we've done with him on the show, and he's a great guy to speak to. But you have to say, this season, the last few games, Marcel de Jong just brings so much more to the table than what Harvey does. For sure. But I think Harvey still has moments where, depending on the team you're playing, that he can be brought out there. And I still think even in the playoffs, I think there are there might be games where Robbo thinks tactically Harvey's the guy for them because he offers you something different. And that difference is obviously defensively. 
And, uh, and the problem is that when if he plays defensively in Portland like he did, maybe he doesn't get brought out that much. That's the only issue. But obviously he yeah. does offer something different. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely does. And But De Jong just offers something so much going forward. Like that one shot he had um, off the corner uh, when he forced oh, a save, yeah. uh, a quick save. He, basically, Tarbell was able to smother, but he did, he offered that shot. Harvey doesn't, Harvey gets his goals from in close. He attacks the net. Yeah. De Jong can fire something from afar. He, he He's playing with a lot of confidence as well, which is like when you're a defender, exactly what you want. Then another change last night, Tony Chani came in for Noza Ijibor. And that was kind of expected too. Yeah. Chani didn't even feature though in the game day squad for, for Portland. And I mean, Ijibor had a good game down there, did suffer from cramp. I'm not surprised that he that he didn't start this one. And he didn't even make it at 18 either, I think. No. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be something that, that we'll talk about going forward. Could be a position as well. Bola kept his position. Yeah. And thankfully... Freddie Effin Montero shook off that calf knock, was good to go, and dream start. And what a first half he had, breaking his his playoff duck. It was a night of firsts for the Whitecaps, for individual players, and for Montero, four seasons at Seattle, ten playoff games, no goals. Two assists, but no goals. 33 minutes as a Whitecap in the playoffs, breaks that goal-scoring duck, 1-0 1-0 Whitecaps. And it was a, it was a great cross. Um, Boston, he, I think he was being covered by two men. It seemed like it. But he still was able to, uh, he, I think Bernardes was the main guy covering him, but he was able to get up, flashes that uh, header over to the far post, and Montero's sitting right there. Yeah. And he's done that before, too. He always seems to be finding those spots where he's able to, like people complain that, oh, he knocked in Parker's goal from a foot out. Uh, or, or, or was Parker's goal and he was able to... But he finds those spots. That's, he's that's able Zach, to get his though. spot. He's a, <laughs> he's a poacher who's able to see an opportunity and, and finish off a goal. Yeah, and he he did it with aplomb. It was a great header. You saw what it meant to him as well. There's a, a great photo that Tom took of just him so happy. He's just kind of on his own after the, the team celebrations. And then afterwards as well, he brought his little daughter Ruby to, to speak to the press. He, he's loving it here. Great sweater. Oh, yeah, with five stars on it. Obviously, he knows that the Whitecaps are going to win the next five MLS Cups, so well, he's could just be got for that sweater early. Trophies too. Oh, yeah. could be, yeah. yeah. Although, I'll be up to six now. Oh, well, they are. Yeah, that's right. He's going to have to add a star somewhere. But one note to the Whitecaps. At that point, in the first game when the Whitecaps went one up a couple of weeks ago, I said to you, oh, that's it over now. The floodgates are going to open. And they didn't, and San Jose fought back. What they did- I didn't have that feeling this time that the floodgates were going to open, but they did. Yeah, but no, but this time, that, that time the floodgates did open. Tarbell came up with some huge saves. Yes, he went down. And that's what he definitely didn't do last no, night. No, and and then well, the the second goal came in the second, uh, obviously in the second half. Um, San Jose almost came back and 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 scored. Like Wondolowski, remember that spin around where uh, uh, Marinovic had to get down to make the save and parry it away. Um, that was uh, scary right there. But then uh, another guy who came into the lineup that wasn't in Portland, Teixeira, uh, he had that free kick and he just he put it in the top corner. No way Tarbell was getting to that one. No, not not at all. I mean, bef- at the start of the second half, San Jose had come out, Marinovic had another big save. But that free kick from T- Teixeira was the thing that killed the game off. One of the goals of the season, not just from a Whitecaps perspective, but throughout MLS, the curve on that ball and just the sweetness that he struck it with was fantastic. 
And at that point, it was 2 0 to the Whitecaps. And yes, at that point, you did think it was game over. You didn't see San Jose coming back into it. I, I thought the floodgates would open a little bit. I still fancied my 4 0 scoreline. I just didn't think it was going to open up the way it did. That was phenomenal second half attacking performance by the Whitecaps. That just leaves you asking, where has that been for a lot of this season? But then, uh, as you rightly pointed out at the start of this show, it was San Jose. This was a team that headed into the playoffs with a goal difference of minus 21, which when you think about it, is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that even a team could make it. Um, and then obviously the, the third goal, which actually, that was the one that really killed the game off. That was second phase. All these were, the first three goals were all uh, set pieces. Yeah. Um, this was the second phase of a set piece, the third goal. But then it was a great cross in. Gazal almost had the bicycle kick. Yeah, and then it fell to Parker, who played it across goal. Yeah, and then and then and basically Watson was there to just uh, just slip it right in yeah, from the I one think foot line. Easiest goal, Kendall Watson. It was the Rivero goal. It was the Rivero goal. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is Montero was right behind him, and Montero's probably thinking, "Oh, I could have had that." Yeah, <laughs> but three 0 but that's saying again about Montero. He's in the right spot yes, at the right time. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, you can't fault a strike for that. That's what you want. That's what we've not had for years. Yeah. That's that's the thing. It's like we've just not had that, and we've got that now in Montero, and we have to do everything we can to keep him here. He's loving it here. We have to break the bank and keep him here. We're not paying money on WFC two anymore. There's been murmurs as well that NWSL is not going to be coming. It's just too much of an expense. The residency budget as well, I believe, has been cut back this year. I'm hoping that all these savings are to give Montero whatever he wants as a salary. Well, let's not go too crazy over that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I understand, I, I'm, I understand I'm where you're coming from. I'm right now. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from because it has been a long time coming. We've gone through a lot of strikers. I think Kenny Miller was the last one that gave some kind of this kind yeah. of. Uh, Kenny Miller in this team would, would be have, very would have exciting. Been fantastic yeah. as well. It's as just, a, he just as did imagine not get him the coming off the bench. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could sign him. Is he available? Talking of players coming off the bench, though, someone that did come off the bench and made a big impact last night was Nicholas Mosquita. And, he, I mean, he hadn't been playing much. And he comes off, he scores two goals and two very well-taken goals as well. Yeah, Bola set him up for the first one. Yeah, runs through, slides it in off the post in the in the bottom-hand corner. And then the second one that he got was the best of his two. Yeah, and Breck Shea made a great run. Yeah. He came on as a sub, too. Shea looked fantastic as yeah. a sub, which he's done a lot this year. Yeah. Again, with the salary that he's on, that's not maybe not great value for money. But then you can argue if he's having that impact, who cares? It's like, I'll pay that if a guy's going to have these assists and goals that he's Yeah, he, he sent a perfect cross over the defenders right into Mosquito. Mosquito just had to just kind of have his leg in the right spot and just like bang it in. It was a perfect shot. It was a perfect cross. Yeah, and he was so happy about it as well. And we're going to hear from, from Nico a little bit later on in this show. But that, that was how the game played out. We'll look at a few more aspects from it in a, in a couple of minutes. For now, though, let's hear from both head coaches. First of all, we'll hear from a dis- nationally disappointed Quakes head coach, Chris Leach. And then we'll hear from Robo. Yeah, tough one, obviously. Didn't go the way that we'd like to hope. Um, it's tough, you know, first three goals are all on set pieces, and obviously the second two are us kind of pushing pretty darn aggressively to uh, get back in the game, and it happens at, at, at times. 
Uh, so Carol, the last couple of weeks has been a little bit difficult for the team, but is this the kind of response you're looking for? A very comfortable 5-0 win in the end. Yes, last three weeks um, with two difficult away games have been difficult and we didn't take care of business at home two weeks ago against a very good San Jose team and it come back to bite us on the backside, unfortunately, but I made the guys aware, you know, we're in the, we get a second chance because we're in the playoffs, but let's not let this one slip and we didn't today. We sh we'd done today what we should have done two weeks ago against a very good team. Uh, the club's very first ever playoff win as well. What, what does that mean to you as a coach to be in charge for that? Yeah, listen, I like, I say to you all the time, I like proving people wrong. Um, football's there for records to be broken, and we broke a few since I've been here, which is, you know, before I come here, <laughs> there was people that were breaking records, and since I've come, there's more records breaking. So that's, that's what you have to do. But I'm delighted for everyone involved with the football club tonight and everyone involved with the city because we needed a little bit of success, and we've got a little bit of success today. But that's all it is. It sets us up nicely for a, a two-legged playoff game against uh, our rivals up the road, which we'll really look forward to. And, you know, if we're going to go further, we've got to beat the champs, which is no easy feat. That's the manner in which you won the game, you know, 5-0 to, to finally get a playoff win. Does that help you at all going forward, doing it that way, rather than, you know, had it been a one nothing game or a, a squeaker? Yeah, uh, but a win is a win, and I wouldn't have minded how we would have won the game today. I think it puts the icing on the cake that you, you win a playoff, one-legged playoff game at home in front of your supporters who were magnificent all night. You know, it's not easy coming out on a Wednesday night, I know that, but... You saw what it meant to the players and the club today that you know we're so determined to get that first playoff win, and we did. And did we do it in style? Yeah, we probably did, which makes it all the more special. But I'm sure you'll be saying to me now, Sunday needs to be the same again, <laughs> and every football game is different. So uh, we'll enjoy it tonight. We'll be in tomorrow morning. The boys are in to recover tomorrow um, as we prepare for the next stage. A five five nil win, but a bit of a bit of a nervy start. Did you feel like the first ten minutes? Um did you get that sense that the guys might have been a little... I knew you'd pick up something negative <laughs> from a 5-0 victory at home in front of our fans. It's brilliant. No, we were super, super confident from the first minute of the game. No. Um, yeah, listen, we started the first two minutes well. We had half a chance and, you know, they're a good team. Whoever you play in this league, there's, the parity is so close that you're going to have periods of games and obviously they had a, a, a brief period in the first half. We got the first goal, which was always crucial. And I said... I don't want to live at 1-0 after half-time. We need the second goal. And that was drummed into them. And obviously we get the second, and then it's like when you wait for a bus. You wait ages, and then two, three, four come along, go in the same place. That's what happened. Carl, just to look ahead to Sunday's match, you said you're looking forward to facing Seattle. No Dempsey for, for the Sounders. Yeah. Do you view that as a big break for your club? Well, I'm sure they'll bring in another top player because they got top player after top player, which is good. Listen, we're, we're playing against the champs, so we know we're going to be underdogs. I like the underdog role. You know, we've played them three times already this year. I'm sure we're sick of the sight of each other, which is good. I'm sure there'll be emotions and tackles and cards and football and goals and penalties, hopefully from my side. But, you know, you, you always get those things with derby games. And the focus today was try and get through this round uh, and then let's go and have a, a good two-legged series against our rivals. We've got tremendous respect for the team up the road. We know that. And even though they're our rivals and they won MLS Cup, so it should be good. Uh, and the one team that will qualify, then good luck to them.
So the, the gaffer's there. Obviously very mixed emotions. Carl Robinson, very happy. Loved, loved his response to Josh's question about it was a bit of a nervy start. And he's like, yeah, I, I'd expect you to find something negative from that performance. It, it made everyone chortle. <laughs> well, it was it was a bit of a nervy it start. It was. You can't and, get away from that. Even I mean, Josh was hundred percent correct. Yeah, and 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 you were and you made you sent that tweet out at the end of the half when people were actually whistling for the halftime yeah. whistle, and that you know there's nerves there when you want that halftime whistle. Yeah. You want to get to the big I mean, one up, one on. I've done it a lot in games coming up to full time, but to do it just like come on halftime, hurry up and come. Yeah, and it wasn't a few; it was a lot of them. Yeah. They were very noticeable those whistles. <laughs> And it was the talk at halftime that it was a nervy start as yeah. well. So, I mean, Josh was, Josh in Canadian press, spot on there. Possession-wise, the Whitecaps had 45.4%. Fantastic. Is that... That's a decent number. That's what you want. It's uh, not, not a record season high because they have been over 50%. But is that most... Did those mostly come in the first, the, the, the five-minute intervals that you love? Yeah. And for our bingo card, though, we didn't get to the 50%. I couldn't get that crossed off. We did get a few things crossed off. We had Freddie Effin Montero crossed off. Yeah. First Whitecaps playoff win, we had that crossed off as well. 5 0? Was that it? Didn't put that in. Oh, you didn't expect it, did you? No. And I'm a bit worried because one of the things on the bingo card is 16 year old Alfonso Davies gets his first MLS goal. Now, he's running out of opportunities because he's going to be 17 soon, so he needs to do it against Seattle. Yeah, one of the best things about uh, I noticed on the stats was the, and this is really going to help down the road too, is no yellow cards. Yeah. And they they really there was a couple of really rough tackles um, where you're concerned that you like I think it was Gazal on uh, Bernardes when yeah. he knocked him out basically. And he, I think he's a tough that, tackling guy. Bernardes, if you think of it, I don't know if they'll they'll uh, admit it or not. Bernardes could have been affected because he landed on his shoulder so bad, and that yeah. was before the goal was scored and. It could have affected him when going for that, uh, trying to compete with Watson for that corner. He was down for like two, three minutes there. He was having some battle as well with Kendall Watson before that, ending in Watson's shirt getting ripped as well. Oh, that was early in the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean, he went down and maybe yeah, maybe it did affect him a, a little bit more than, than anyone kind of knew. But the no yellow cards thing, it was great game management all round by the Whitecaps. I mean, yeah. you don't want to be glowing, gushing too much, but it's hard not to after a 5-0 win. Yeah, you have to. I mean, they managed the game superbly. We'll, we'll, we'll get pessimistic after Seattle games. One of the, either one or both of them. Hopefully not. Yeah, and hopefully I mean, not. even shots as well. 17-10, to 10, the Whitecaps won that. 8-5 to five on target. And Marinovic had to come up bigger, as we talked about. Yeah. We talked about De Jong as well. A- any other players stand out for you, Steve, either in a positive or negative way? I, I, I the only the, there's only one player, and people probably won't agree with this, but the only player that I would put in a negative and barely in a negative because it was a five nil win was Reina. Um, yeah, he, he was giving away the ball a little bit too he much was, for me, especially that first half. He just seemed to really struggle with his touch. Like his passes would hit people in the wrong spots. Like it, it was a simple pass and it would hit him in the in the in the thigh or something like that. The passes were off. Um, so I, that maybe he was a little bit too excited for the game, and that's why his passes were a little bit too hard and maybe a little bit off. Um, other than that, even uh, people talk. Uh, we're talking about after the game, uh, Bologna did not have a good game. 
I thought he was okay. I thought he was decent. Yeah. I thought he was there to he do was what he was supposed to Sunday. do. No, he was definitely better than Sunday, but he was there to do what he did. And he did set up Mosquito's fourth, the fourth goal, the Mosquito's first goal. He set that up. I thought he controlled the tempo a little bit, and I thought he did what he was supposed to do. Like, you have Jordi Reyna and Christian Scherer attacking, and Bola can hold up the ball here and there. And maybe that's the reason why they got up to 45% p- uh, possession, because it was Blanjes that held on to oh, the ball possibly, here Possibly, yeah. yeah. Because sometimes some players, even though you don't notice them, they're still effective on the pitch. Well, talking of players that slid in and effective, I mean, we talked about Nicolas Mosquito's two-goal performance. It was fantastic. Really happy for him. Had a chance to, to hear from him at training on Thursday. So we'll just play that for you now. Very happy guy. Coming in cold. Here's what he had to say about it. It was perfect morning. I mean, a lot for me and for the group because it was... a. Uh, yeah, history game because it's the first game the the team winning playoff, and mean a lot for me because for everyone I th- uh, because uh, for e- every force we make uh, this group since the um, the start of the year we 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 work a lot. I know the people outside didn't see, but you are here and the people who are around here can see um, how hard we we work. And now I think so. This is the the result of all 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 each day where we 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 work. So I'm I am so proud of all the my team and and the staff who helped us to live this this moment. And now get ready for the semi-final. This means another we can make a keep make history in this this team. I think after your second goal, you went to the sideline and you had a nice big hug with Robo. Um, why was that such a, it seemed like an emotional moment for, for both of you guys. Why was that uh, the case? Oh, that means uh, a lot for me because uh, since I'm here, I am with him like this for a year. Sometimes I know he, uh, sometimes I don't have the opportunity to play, but I know he's, he, he keeps trash me. I know this moment is another play over me. It's, it's, uh, it's better than the football. Sometimes it's moment. So when he's... Um, in this case, Jordi is a great moment. He's a great player. So this time I had to wait and keep working quiet. And when I have the moment, like last night in 20 minutes, I can show all, all my work, all, all the things I can, I can help to the team. How hard is it when you haven't been playing to come into a big game like that, a little bit cold, and then put in a performance like that? Uh, well, so yesterday was... Um, no, it was easy came in, but it was um, was a great moment because the, the team made a big work last night. The the defense until the until the attack. Every player made good show. So then were more easy the my work to come in. So then make me easy the, the work and of, of course thanks thanks them my teammate. I, I had a possibility to score uh, in, in two time. Because it was perfect uh, timing and ball from from Bola and the second from break. So Nicholas Mosquito there coming off surprisingly a man of the match performance. Yeah. I'm not saying surprisingly because I didn't think he has it in him. He was only on the pitch for less than a quarter of the game. Yeah, I know I, he got two goals, but there were two goals that in garbage time. Yeah, basically. they weren't needed. Yeah. 
Um, I, not I, knocking his performance, but no. there's no way he was man of the match. And for me, that's just disrespectful to the rest of the team. No, it's it's it it happens if you if you're gonna have Twitter uh, uh, name your man yeah. of the match, that's what's gonna happen. But basically, I just don't think we should let the public vote. No. I mean, we, we've seen it in America. They've had two Bushes in, and now Trump. Yeah, we've seen it in talent show contests as well. Agreed. Don't let the public vote. Um, who was your man of the match? There's a few you could really go for. I think for me, Kendall Waston. He got that goal. He was solid in the back again. The assist on Montero's goal. And just the way he marshalled the thing and his just enthusiasm. I think he's right up there for me. Yeah, I, that's who I would give it to. But if I was going to give somebody else a shout, it would be Tachera. Yeah. Um, because he did affect the play. Not only the goal itself, but in the attack and everything. Um, he, he there was a number of times when he would just fly down the field and and he was able to hook up with uh, Jake Nowitzki quite a bit and I thought he played an effective game as well. The goal itself, we've talked so many times before that you need that second goal to you know stomp on the team w- when they're down, right? The, op- the opposition. He was able to get that and I know and it was a, a beautiful goal. No no goal. Very few goalkeepers would be able to get to that goal. And so, just based on that, and also his effective play, I, I would give him a second man of the match, but I agree with you, Austin was mine as well. Yeah, to share at number two, maybe give Marinovic the third as well, yeah. just because... Oh, the two those, saves. Yeah. His two, those Crucial two saves, saves. At the beginning of the first half, beginning of the second half, that's where the Whitecaps fall sometimes, at, at the beginning and end of halves, and he saved it for them. I'm really delighted for Stefan, just the confidence that's now going to give him going forward. I don't think he needs I don't too think much more confidence, confidence but... Yeah. <laughs> um, it, just the faith that was shown that was rewarded and he's now going to be the guy that leads the Whitecaps going forward into this playoff which brings us now nicely on to the next game these games are coming thick and fast Sunday first leg of the semi-finals at home to Seattle another Cascadian derby first time the two teams have met in the playoffs obviously there's been a Cascadian derby with Vancouver before Portland two years ago that didn't go so well I don't know. I just feel this This just has a different feel, a different dynamic to it with the Whitecaps being at home in the first leg. And they don't have to deal with the deuce. Yes. That's really important. Um, I, I think I think they, they do have a little bit of momentum, but like we said before, San Jose apparently had all the momentum and uh, Vancouver had none, and look what happened there. Yeah, and so, I mean, Mark you, Weber's spoken to me before. He doesn't believe... This momentum. Thing. I don't it's believe in momentum either. This too, unless you're playing right after. If you're playing a game right after, then maybe you have momentum. You have momentum in halves. But I think I don't folk see mix games. momentum up though with confidence yeah, and yeah. kind of a, like a spring in their step. And yeah. the Whitecaps certainly have. Oh, that. Oh, they definitely have that, and that that will get them somewhere there. Like we said, they don't have Dempsey. Jordan Morris has been injured, so they were missing him. Will Bruin will be the guy up front, but I think the the most important part of Playing Seattle will be their med- midfield. Ladero, Roldan, and Alonso. Those three guys, if they can cut that out, I think they have a very good chance of getting a good solid result in that first game. Yeah, I think the game could be won and lost for the Whitecaps in the middle of the park. I'm assuming we're going to go with a, a 4-2-3-1 again. Yeah. I, I did think for the San Jose game, he may have gone to the 4-1-4-1 that worked so well. Yeah, at times he was. it seemed like that was the position because Chani moved up a little bit yeah. here and there. And I mean, that... that formation worked so well for them at the start of the year and basically kick-started their season but I think the 4-2-3-1 is what we're going to have it's pretty much a set team in my mind the only things you maybe have some questions about is 
does Bolanius keep his spot? Didn't do so well in Portland. Didn't do so well against Seattle down there a month ago. Do you keep him in? Or do some of those sub-performances... I mean, Mosquito can play in the wing. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, and you do, even, do you look at riding those two goals and, and put him in for Bolanius? And if you know that you're... Um, uh, like, uh, this is this is a radical thing If <laughs> that people probably won't agree with. But if you're concerned about Seattle's midfield and that's your number one thing, you could play Mosquito in the middle and put Reina on the wing. And you got yeah. Reina and Teixeira on the wing with Montero. And then you have a very defensive midfield that can get maybe get the ball to their wings because you're going to be attacking their wings. You're going to have Diong and Tachera down one and potentially Nowitzki and Reyna down one. And then you have your midfield that just clogging it up. And maybe that's the way to go in this game and, and, and try to, and try to win it. But it, that, that could be a, a, an option for Seattle as well, that they'd play it that way. Yeah. I, 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 I would give Mesquita the start. I think he deserved it with that performance. And I think he's, the form that he's in just now, I just think he offers that little bit more than what Belanius is offering. But then you've got a, a great guy in the bench in Belanius to bring on if needed with all that experience. I think he got the start against San Jose for the experience factor. But I think you have to go with, with Nico now. No, I'm going to disagree with you there. He, Nico, I, Nico does not play well as a starter. Yeah, I, I, I have would said that a lot over the last years, I know. I would prefer to play him as coming off the bench. One guy who could start, and I don't know if he would start here or in Seattle, but I guarantee, well, I'm, I'm not going to guarantee, but I have a feeling that Nosa will uh, play as a starter in one of those two games, whether it's at home or in Seattle. One of those two that you'll see Nosa in there. I, I could see that four-one-four-one we talked about in Seattle yeah. with Chani, Nosa, and Gazal and Gazal playing. Yeah. And, I would I wouldn't have a problem with that if we can get the job done in the first leg, I'm fine with that. Like Nosa's uh, Nosa's main position is box to box, but his secondary position um, on most of those you know uh, transfer market sites is has always been as a, a central attacking midfield. Now he doesn't have yeah. what Reina has, but he does show he does have a little bit of size and he can bang in there too. So it might be something yeah. to look at. Well, for. Ro- Robo sees him as a number eight. And yeah, for I, sure. That's a yeah. primary, but secondary, you can. Be, he's yeah. more up front than back. He can play all those positions, yeah. and I liked what I saw of him in in the spell in Portland. I I would seriously look at a four one four one. We'll talk about that more on Sunday, obviously, once we know the result of the first leg. And the Whitecaps are clearly confident. Seattle, though, equally confident, rested as well. Haven't had a game since last Sunday. Going to play a little bit of audio now from Sounders training on Thursday. And we'll kick that off with some words from Brian Schmetzer, who took time out of teaching his geography class to speak to some of the Seattle media. We're cognizant that it's a two-game series, uh, but we will approach the game to try and win uh, without risking too much at the back. Um, you can't go crazy because it's not a one-game series, but you know certainly... You know, if you play conservative, sometimes you can get burned that way too. So there's a fine balance there. So we'll go out to try and win the game. Um, We've had some success up there. Obviously, the last game up there when they came back 1-1, you know, that was good for them. You know, started them on a little bit of a run. So we're very aware that they're a dangerous opponent. And, you know, our preparation will be very thorough and we'll be ready. 
Is that what happened last night? Obviously, I'm sure you look at the game where they won zero and then suddenly they've got a second half avalanche there. Well, three set piece goals. You know, San Jose couldn't really generate enough quality chances. That spells big trouble against Vancouver Whitecaps. I mean, you have to try and put them under some pressure, right? Without giving away the counter. You can't give away silly fouls. That'll, that'll hurt you. Despite them being a very talented team, it seems like they are really compact and they go off the counter. Uh, would you say that as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way Carl sets them up. And, you know, it's just execution. You know, if your team executes and you're able to, you know, keep the ball and create some good chances and be a little patient, but without foregoing trying to score and all those little things, and then as you possess, you, you're aware where Montero, Reina, you know, Bolaños, you're aware of those guys, you know, and then you give yourself a chance. But their, their, their execution yesterday was very high. It's a very good game. Do you feel like your form at this point going in is, is similar to last year? I think this team believes that they can win every single game they play. Now we know reality is we don't, but they believe that they can win every single game. You've talked a lot about the local rivalries and the greater significance and all that. What do you think it says about soccer and Cascadia to have three of the four conference semifinalists here? Well, we, we, we liked it. Uh, I, I'm certainly proud of it. Um, being from the Northwest, uh, I didn't like Caleb holding up the supporter shield. That's the only thing I didn't like about it. it I saw the photo on social media. Cascadia Cup. Cascadia Cup. Sorry. What did I say? Supporter shield. Supporter shield. Cascadia Cup. You know what I meant. Um, so I saw that one out there. That stung a little bit. I mean, we still had a chance there at the game. I mean, that's another testament to the rivalry. It wasn't over until that final match, which was good. And... Uh, you know, I, I think Caleb and Carl do a great job. When it comes to injuries, you still have uh, Victor, Gustav, and... Uh, they were Morris. all out on the field today, so as soon as they're ready, they will play. Is there any injuries that are less concerning than others? No, they're all injuries. They're all concerns. And just to clarify, you said Ozzy went through full training. What does that say about his availability for the weekend? It says that when he's ready, he'll play. Brian Schmitz are there. He always talks very highly of Carl in interviews, which is nice to see. And obviously very, very proud of coming from the Pacific Northwest, the Cascadian rivalry, understands it fully, what it means to the fans and to the area. And I mean, for, for what you think of rival teams' coaches, that is great to hear. And he is more likeable than Caleb Porter, although that wouldn't be hard. So we talked about the importance of Stefan Marinovic earlier in the show. The man between the sticks for Seattle is going to be equally important, Stefan Fry. He had that fantastic save in the last game a month ago in Seattle from Fred Montero's free kick. If that had gone in, that whole game could have been completely different. But then, if my aunt had ball, she'd be my uncle. So you can't look at things like that too much. But let's hear a little bit now from Stefan Fry from Seattle training on Thursday as well. And some interesting questions here for sure. Well, defense of the cup started all the way back in late January, so uh, it's been a, it's been a good season for us. It's been a difficult season, but uh, I think a big achievement to make it back into the playoffs. But yeah, I mean now everything resets. Uh, as we know in, uh, in MLS, every team uh, now has a chance. Uh, it's going to be difficult um, facing a good opponent. Um, 
Arguably every opponent would have been good though, right? I think uh, I wanted Vancouver simply, not, not because it was a better matchup for us, but simply because it's shorter distances for us to travel than them. So I think uh, we're saving each other a bit there, but uh, it's going to be difficult. You know, they're, they've proven that they're, they're very lethal up top, very efficient up top. Um, uh, they're a good counter team, they're crafty. Um, they're a good side, so uh, we're going to have to be ready, but uh, we believe in our ability and we're going to try to play our game and uh, get something up there. Uh, Vancouver showed last night that they're a very clinical team in set pieces. From, mm -hmm. from your position, is there any videos, uh, studying or anything like that in the way certain players kick the ball or certain set pieces to get ready for that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, we do that every, every week. We, we look at every opponent the same way, you know, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses offensively and defensively and they've shown that uh, they were dangerous uh, I mean before that already we know they have size you know they have height when uh, Watson comes up top and other guys who are very very powerful um, but then they also have guys who, who can go direct for to go um, and are more than capable of doing that so uh, um, yes we definitely do do research I'm sure they do research as well you'd be fool not to what do you think of Cascadia going one two three in the west this year and kind of just what that says about soccer in this region to have all you guys up there I wish we were the only ones, but uh, I mean, at the same time, it's it's great, right? You want your rivals to not do good. You you want to see them suffer. Um, I'm sure they, they feel the exact same way. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a true rivalry. But if you're if you're looking at it as a soccer fan in the region, it's it's fantastic. It's uh, it's the best thing. Obviously, it shows that uh, I think all three teams are very well supported. Um, take a lot of pride in in the product on the field, um, and they're very ambitious. Um, you know, um, obviously the, the Timbers have, have won an MLS Cup. We won one now as well, and uh, I'm sure Vancouver wants to win one now as well. So uh, it's, it's only going to be better uh, for the nation, I think. Obviously for Canada as well, uh, in terms of uh, getting getting climates where there's a really really strong rivalry in the area, not just some fabricated, you know, uh, U.S. versus Canada, but 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 really something where you're. You're vying for dominance in your area, um, and when you have multiple teams try to do that, uh, it's only going to lead for better product, better better soccer players, um, better national teams, all above. So that's great. So Stephen Fry there, confident Seattle can get the job done, but then so the Whitecaps. We touched upon it earlier in the show. I just think that this dynamic now plays in the Whitecaps' favour. They're at home in the first leg against a juiceless Seattle. If they can squeeze a win out of that... For sure. Get a couple of goals. Like, th three would be a dream. If you're heading with a three-goal lead going into the second leg... I'd be happy with two. Yeah, but, I mean, two would be fantastic. One, equally good. Yeah. Because I fancy them, and I know they didn't do it a month ago, but I fancy them to sneak an away goal. And obviously in the playoffs, away goals count. The away goals rule is in effect. This is right in their wheelhouse. I can see them having getting result here, of like a, a win... And then going to Seattle and playing, having a better type of performance from that. Kansas, you remember the Kansas City, the Kansas Sporting Kansas City game? Yeah. Like playing that type of game, but actually playing better. You know, having a better performance, but that type of game, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they get the result or a 0 0 result. They smother Seattle and they're able to just like not, Seattle can't get anything back from like if they're down 1 0 or 2 down. No. no. The, the flip side of that is though, what kind of Seattle do you want to face down there? Do you want to face a team 
that it's going to just throw everything at them in the early stages because they, they need to get back in the game. But then they could counterattack. See, there's that. Or do you want to face a, a more patient Seattle team? Because Seattle do look dangerous when they throw all their guys forward. That's true. And we saw that in that 3 0 game. Yeah. Would it be better for the Whitecaps to have it maybe just 1 0? Let so the sleeping that, giant lie yeah. until you're ready to pounce? Because no matter what, they are going to pounce on the counter. Well, and remember, it's, 180, it's a really a 180 minute game. Yes. It's not a 90 minute game. We could be adding another 30 on as well, yeah, depending exactly. on, how, on how things go. But it's it's an exciting time. What's your thoughts score wise? Uh, Sunday game, I would go. I think Vancouver can pull out a goal. I think it's one nil. I'm going to go for two nil. My my head saying two nil, my heart saying three nil. But I, I I fancy the Caps to get this job done, and then it's in their own hands, which sometimes is not great from a White Caps point of view. Yeah. Um, Carl Robinson sees them as the underdogs just now. It's kind of hard to disagree. I, I think they would be considered underdogs, but I think they're one of the best bet underdogs. Yeah. Uh, because of the fact that what Seattle, because of the fact that Seattle's not going to have Dempsey in that first game. Although you might, you can have a rested Dempsey, so yeah. is that more dangerous? And we said a couple of weeks ago, I thought finishing third was the best path for the Whitecaps. And I still think that. I think it's going to be 2 0. And then, I won't give a prediction for the second leg. We'll kind of see how this that's first too, leg goes. That's too goes. early yeah. to do, yeah. It's going to be a fantastic game. A great atmosphere. 5.30 kickoff. Not too late that Seattle fans can't make it up. Not too early that they can't make it either. Because 1 o'clock kickoff in Portland was absolutely ridiculous. And while I'm talking about kickoff times, the game against San Jose, scheduled for a 7.30 start, kicks off at 7.55. This has been a bugbear of mine for years, and it has to change. Give the proper kick-off time. I know I can part understand. of it is they want the fans in the stadium buying beer and yeah. also getting to their seats early. No, they, you said know what like. they said it was because yeah, of broadcast. They said it was because of broadcast. Yeah, we'll tell you it's 7.55. Yeah. It's absolute bullcrap that you're you're waiting in a stadium for 25 minutes for a game. Now, I can understand if they say 7.30 kickoff and you kick off at 7.36 yeah, or that's 7.37. That's I understandable. I that, but, but not 25 20, minutes. 25 minutes so is are we expecting much. a 5.55 kickoff then on Sunday? <laughs> Maybe. We'll yeah. see. But they're the only game on Sunday too, so they don't have to worry about anybody else Oh, but they, they still then. like to get all their, all their stuff done. So, yeah. Who, yeah, who knows? But it's going to be a fun game. The defences on both teams, you know they're going to be put under a lot of pressure. Marinovic and goal is going to be cool, calm and collected for the Whitecaps. And another guy that is going to be that as well is in the right-back role, Jake Nowinski. Nowinski has had a fantastic season. Probably doing more than anyone expected from a rookie coming in. Robo talked after the draft that he was the guy that they wanted. They wouldn't give their, their place away to get that. And I, I think it's showing now exactly why. Got a chance to speak to Jake at training on Thursday. Just about his season so far and the, the playoff road ahead. So let's hear what Jake Nowinski had to tell us. So Jake, it's been a real whirlwind year for you. I spoke to you, I think it was like, you just made your debut, it was like maybe April or May. You've come on so much since then, made yourself the regular starter. Does it all seem a bit of a dream? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's always been a dream to uh, 
play professional and to get the opportunity to play in actual games in my first year is just really special and um, I just think it's it's great for my development going forward and I'm just happy to you know be helping the team out in any way, like little way I can. I know you kind of talked about this a few weeks ago but when, when you came here from UConn you mustn't have thought that you were going to like play as much as you did and get all these opportunities. Yeah, like I said before, you know, Robo told me I he likes to play young guys, and I would be competing for you know for a spot. But you know, as the season went on, I I was kind of the second you know second choice. But I kept my head down. I kind of kept working. But um, no, I really couldn't ask for much more. You know, playing in 20 games so far this year, it's uh, it's been great. It's been a great rookie year. What's been the biggest change for you, like in your game, having to adapt from what you've done at the college level to to coming into the pros? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, being consistent every day. You know, uh, sometimes in college, at university, I could have, you know, taken a few days off and I wouldn't really, you know, be hurt by that. But here you got to be, you know, consistent every single day. And um, the other aspect of it is, you know, the speed of play. I think I have to, you know, I had to learn how to um, play a lot faster, a lot quicker. And, um, you know, even that with defensively too, these guys are a lot quicker. So I had to be on my front foot always. You've been mentioned as a possible Rookie of the Year candidate and various things like that. How does that make you feel? I know you're not in it for those kind of plaudits, but I mean, it must make you feel that people elsewhere are looking at you. Some folks even talked about you being a a future American national team player. I mean, yeah, it's always nice to get noticed. It's always nice to be appreciated. But, um, yeah, I'm not really worried about that that much. I'm more about the team, seeing how far we can, you know, make it. But, um yeah, you know, the U.S. team, it's always been a dream of mine. That's kind of like the end goal is to, you know, play for your country. I think anybody really wants to do that. So if that happens in the future, it'd be great. But I'm going to keep working to get to that point. Your style of play, like Robo likes the, the wing backs to, to tear forward, the full backs to tear forward. Has that, is that how you've always played? Have you always been a, a guy that's, that's had a lot of assists? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, you know, I, I used to play forward before I was uh, right back. So, you know, coming into college, I um, I was just moved back to right back before college. So like that first year. So I only played one year at right back before going to university. And um, so I was always an attacking guy. So I kind of, you know, even though I was pushed back to defense, I was like, you know what, I'm going to still keep going forward. I'm going to make this position my own. And, you know, the game is evolving where these, you know, outside backs are getting into the attack more. And I think it's great. And I love doing that. But um, I know it's defense first. I got to say that. But uh, no, I love getting forward. Yeah. Now, your first playoff experience last night couldn't have gone much better. 5 0 win. D- did you take a moment to kind of just take it all in? I think I, yeah. I, after the fifth goal, I was like, Wow, this is you know this is pretty special. You know we made history. We did it in uh, pretty awesome fashion. So um, it was great. You know to see the fans going crazy, coaches you know jumping around, you know hugging each other, and uh, it was just a really good experience. Looking forward to Sunday now. Massive game against Seattle. We talked about it a little bit last night about the game down there hadn't gone well a couple of weeks ago. But what are you looking for from this? This is a team that to me it looks like the scenario was perfect because you can go on the road and you can score. You've got the first leg at home, which I've always thought was better to have the second leg at home, but the last couple of years I've kind of switched around about that. Do you feel it plays into this team's style to maybe go and get something done at home, then sneak an away goal and then 
it's forcing Seattle to chase, really. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think maybe not winning the conference is a little bit of a blessing in disguise because we got this home game and we got this momentum going into Seattle now. We got another home game coming up, so I think it's definitely huge. Um, and we're, you know, we're a good road team and we're really good at home, so I think we can do some damage. And do you allow yourself to dream? I know the standard cliche is one game at a time, but do you allow yourself to dream as to what could lie ahead? No, no, not at all. That's great. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. Cheers. So Jake Narwinski there, and what a season he's had. Steve. Yeah, he's making the rounds almost on every t- morning television yeah, show, he's, he's been radio very show. He's been featured, demand. so he's been featured quite a bit. So I, I I see him having a bright future here. He's one of those guys that, because, just in my opinion, I I think he could be as long as the Whitecaps will have him, and he wants to stay here. I think he could be a lifelong Whitecap. I, he, yeah, he could be. I don't see him, and and this is no disrespect to him. I don't see him being a player that. Jump makes the jump to Europe. No, I think he's totally going to be a agree. lifelong MLSer. He's going to have a fantastic career, and until he gets to the Stephen Bateshore type money, maybe he stays until then, and then he moves on to TFC. Well, I mean, you mentioned Bateshore, <laughs> and now we've got a guy yeah. that is definitely a replacement for him. We liked oh, it last year, yes, and we've got a guy like YP Lee even that's contributing these assists, which we just haven't had in that in that right back. And he's young, and he's going to yeah. be growing into this role still. And quickly touched on it with Jake there could we be looking at a future backline of the American national team with Parker and Nerwinski it's if Parker decides to stay he, he could be going over to Europe he's this guy that could be one of those like Jeff Cameron types that goes know. over to I don't I'm, know I'm that just that that, good enough I'm just saying that he could end up in the Scottish Premier League well if you're putting him in the, if you're putting him in the US national team then yeah. he would be good enough to be in Europe and somewhere. I mean, I'm not saying the top yeah. leagues, but he would somewhere. And you did point out it is a hard lineup to crack just now. Even yeah. though they haven't made the, the World Cup, it's still a hard score to crack. Yeah, they got a lot of young players all over the world that they're kind of poaching as well. <laughs> they're yeah. from other countries, trained in other countries, and bring it up here. Well, good luck to Jake and all the Whitecaps in the game on Sunday. We'll be bringing you our live show on CITR Radio. Just now it's scheduled for 11 o'clock. We might actually be able to get in a little bit earlier and do it. So watch Twitter for announcements with that because we might it'll, bring you that earlier. It'll depend on kickoff time, really. Yeah, kickoff time, when I get all my MLS post-game stuff done and then just how quick we can get up to the studio. So we're aiming at some time between 10 and 11 to, to possibly kick off. But for now, let's just go with 11. But just before we go, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. But also the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. So quite a few things going up post San Jose on that site as well. So check all that out. Also give us a follow on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. But that is it for this episode of the podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. Beat those sounders. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. 
the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah, but...